is Jesus in gym shoes. Boy, this is Jesus in gym shoes. Welcome to another episode of Jesus in gym shoes, where we have unparalleled conversations about life skills in Jesus. I have one of my good friends uh, on the podcast today, uh, the right reverend, uh, the bishop elect. <laughs> The one who hears from the paraclete himself, <laughs> Sean Saunders. What's going on, man? What's up, man? You already started. <laughs> I had to, just because. Uh, I'm going to ask you the question. Introduce yourself. I'm Sean Saunders. What else do you want to know? Oh, my God. You are not this person in real life. Can you introduce yourself for real? Yeah, Tell I us mean- about um, I'm a girl dad. I'm a friend. Mm-hmm. I love education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love conversation. Um, I went to school and got a couple of degrees and wrote a couple books. I'm a ghostwriter by profession, and um, and I serve at various churches. But when I met uh, DJ, I was serving in the area of discipleship, and it's been great. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's what's up. Um, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everybody. Uh, what's your favorite pair of gym shoes? So I knew you were going to do that. Um, when you talk about gym shoes, first of all, you need to know that in the East coast, we call it sneakers. And that was a big discovery of mine when, I had the first holiday party at New Life that everybody comes uh-huh. gym shoes. So I'm like, oh, we call we call them sneakers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I am kind of, you know, I like um Adidas high tops that can cross between um formal or informal. So I like mm-hmm. a very plain, consistent, just a regular Adidas. Um, like the forum or the uh high top. Yeah. Okay. The forum high top. Okay. Yeah, I'm a big high top. I don't I don't I don't really like you don't care which one and things like that, but yeah, I'm a high top. Okay. Okay. That's what's up. I'm a not a huge fan of most Adidas, but I do have a couple pair of forums. Uh Vic Lloyd here in the, in Chicago did one. Uh, the guys at Fat Tiger here in Chicago did uh some forums last year and for um and they did some for the All Star Game when it was here in 2020, when it was in Chicago in 2020. So yeah, they had they they dropped some dope Adidas, and I got a couple of those pairs. But yeah, I um I didn't really have a lot of a pair of Adidas. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and I don't know if a bunch of one of my friends in high school actually used to wear the the pro model, I get the same ones that like run DMC wore. I can't think of the name of them right now, but right. yeah, they wore those um, high top and low top. So yeah, that was like my first introduction to them. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, that's a, was that something that everybody wore when you were growing up? Or was that just, when I was growing up, it was air force ones, Adidas, Tim's. Those were the three options. So yeah, you from Jersey, right? Jersey all the way. So we, we basically, you know, New Jersey style, New York style, they're more similar than, you know, like Maryland and Philly. They they cop off of us. So, 
Yeah, we kind of kept it playing. And then, um, I mean, Jordans have always been hot. And that was that series where everybody was coming out with, like, you know, the fancy mm-hmm. Jordan colors and all that. I never really subscribed to that. Um, I don't own any of those. Never have. It just didn't appeal to me. Not one. I have others, but not those gel metallic color tops. I'm like, nah, I'm good. That's crazy. I literally have, like, like in my front room right now, just from going outside the last, like, couple of days, I literally have, like, four different models of Jordans, like, right here by my door. I believe it. (laughs) like, crazy colors. I believe it. (laughs) That's wild. Um, But, yeah, so growing up in Jersey, you are – the son of, or the grandson, I should say, of a man who is, who has an interesting background, mm-hmm. but he is kind of revered for the way that he would evangelize the people. Yes. Or the way that he kind of taught you guys to evangelize. Um, explain that story. Sure. So, um, as you said, uh, my grandfather was a part of the chain gang. They, my grandparents were born in Valdosta, Georgia. He was born on the side of the tracks that was still the cotton when it was being required to be picked. My grandmother was the one doing all the right things. She's highly yellow. He's charcoal black. They uh-huh. fell in, love in grade school. And then he dropped out of school. When he dropped out of school, um, my mother ended up... Uh, my grandmother got, got pregnant with my mom, she, and then he went to jail. Um, when he got out, he didn't know how to read or write because you know he had dropped out of school. So it wasn't until he was in his mid-40s that he really learned how to read. And then uh, through a series of uh, God moments, mm-hmm. he gave his life to Christ and then sold out, like completely sold out. Started a church, uh, and because of his pioneering, all of us are church kids. Um, so that's kind of the heels of my life. And he was a diehard go out every first and third Saturday, give out tracks to drug dealers, prostitutes, cocaine addicts. Um, he was just unafraid to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And on one occasion, he went to witness to someone and the girl hocked his spit in his face. And he was the pastor and said, listen, um, I'm going to turn the other cheek. Now, listen, I don't know how his Jesus juice works and mine, but I think that would have been a moment that I would have probably had to do something different, but he was that guy. He was, once he sold out for Christ, he, he paved the way. Um, and so we know him and we embrace him and my family as, uh, the Bible quota. Like he was the person we went to before we went to the concordance, before we went to Google, we would ask him because he memorized about 80% of the Bible. So, mm-hmm formed and infused everything that I do. Understood. I think so going, so I went to his funeral because he's passed on now. And one thing that really, really stood out was the, it was, it was a non-traditional eulogy Mm -hmm. that your brother gave. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, they did, you guys did a mic toss Mm-hmm. Uh, to keep it going. So the non-traditional eulogy was literally scripture for 20 minutes. Period. Just That's it. That's it? Nothing more, nothing less, just scripture 
for nope. 20 whole minutes. Yeah. Right. Um, what was it like being in a space where because you have to like have it inside of you mm-hmm. for you to be able to do something like that? What what was that process like? Well, as a kid, I hated it. My grandfather believed that the word of God doesn't need anything extra because the word itself is its own secret sauce. Mm-hmm. So Sunday mornings in a Pentecostal family run church looked like getting up at eight o'clock, having Sunday school. When Sunday school opened, you had to quote scripture. After Sunday school, you went to the corner store to get you some donuts and some candy mm-hmm. because you're going to be in church for three hours. So we got Sweetest Fish, Sour Patch Kids, you name it. And then when my grandfather had to preach, because my grandmother only preached on the fourth Sundays, we knew he was going to give us like 70 to 100 scripture verses every single Sunday. My grandfather instituted memory uh, recitation before we ate food. So if we had Thanksgiving dinner, by the time we got done quoting scripture, the food was cold. Um, so I hated hanging out with my grandparents on the weekends because I knew we were going to have to read scripture. We we're going to have to quote scripture. Uh, but it actually became the anchor that helped me now in a mm-hmm. way that I never thought would help. So the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart. That is literally what it is. My brother and I, as you said at the eulogy, we don't even have to think about it. We don't, we don't just know what the Bible says, KJB. We know where it is. And that's yeah. what my father instilled in us. That heaven and earth will pass away, but the word will stand forever. And so if ever our Bible is threatened and we can't read the scriptures, we can have it in our hearts. Because Psalms 119.11 says, thy word have I had in my heart, that I may not sin against this. Yeah. All of us, every single one of us, were militantly disciplined to learn scripture. And we fell in love with it on purpose by accident. Mm. That's... So just sitting there, I was just like enamored because of the fact that I had never experienced anything like it. And so you hear or you heard the story like, oh, yeah, he would drill us. He would drill us about it. And you talked about it uh, before. Um, And, you know, you had said it a bunch of times before, but to just the fruit of it was just very palpable then because it just came out. And then I looked over and saw your sister and she was like quoting at the same time everything that he said. Your mom, like, even though she was like crying uh, with a stone, like she like teared, like she, she teared up and then her face just became like, like her game face came on almost like when the scripture was going forward. So to see something like that, you could, it was extremely palpable. Like you could like touch uh, you could touch it right there. Uh, so that then leads you to your MDiv, right? Um, yeah. You, what was that process like to, from being there, from a grandfather who couldn't read or write, who mm-hmm. then is like that, literally like plugging the word into you often. Wh- how, what was that process like of getting an MDiv? Yeah. So first of all. I never wanted an MDiv. I never even thought that I would be a preacher. Um, I am the middle child. My brother is seven years older. He's the preacher. My Mm -hmm. my sister is seven years younger. Uh, And my grandfather was the pastor bishop. My grandmother was the assistant pastor. My mother took on their church after they moved back to Georgia. My brother opened up his own church. 
I was the singer in the family. I was the one who would sing at the funerals and weddings. I was the one that directed the choir. And I thought, I'm going to go to Duke. I'm going to get my PhD in English. And I'm going to become an Ivy League professor somewhere studying mm-hmm. nationality, Harlem Renaissance, James Baldwin. That was my path. I got rejected from Duke. And the guy I thought I was going to work with ended up being my pastor when I moved to North Carolina. And when I got on that call with him that day, he said to me something that I always was like, he said, because I was heartbroken, bro. I think one of the reasons I probably got rejected was because I was old school Pentecostal. I lathered my application with oil. I prayed at 5 a.m., you know, speaking in tongues the whole nine. And I think the people who reviewed my application were like, okay, what is this on this boy's application? Uh, but when I called the guy, I was devastated. I'm like, yo, why did I not get in? I thought that this was God. And he was like, perhaps God told you no, because you were asking too low. Yeah. And I, I did, I never thought about it. You know, um, he's the one that said, consider the MD. And at that time, I didn't even know what a masters of divinity was because mm-hmm. my context did not embrace or espouse seminary as a prerequisite for ministry. Yeah, we call seminary the cemetery. So nobody really said go. But I knew God wanted me in North Carolina. I figured I'd sample it out to see what would happen. And that became the permanent pivot that changed everything. Mm -hmm. And that's why I am how I am now. But when I got to Duke, being one of the few black Pentecostals there, there was this pressure while I'm learning to be an expert. They assumed I knew all of Azusa Street. They assumed I knew everything about Glossolalia or speaking in tongues. And I didn't really know much because we didn't contest the faith. We just believed the word. It was a beautiful, simplistic purity about my home run family style storefront church that um, didn't require me to ask difficult or even complicated questions. We just took God at his word. Mm -hmm. But the foundation that my grandfather set that really anchored me when I thought I was going to leave God. And so I now see God's hand in it, but I would have never guessed if you had asked me five, 10 or 15 years ago, especially in high school or college, what I would do. I never thought I would be a preacher. Never. Yeah. What was that? What was that process like? So, you know, we had Pastor Alex on Mm -hmm. um, and we talked about, you know, uh, detoxing from Jesus. But a lot of people do call seminary the cemetery. Right. So what are some of the things that. um what are some of the things that people kind of learn that they walk away from the, that makes them walk away from the faith? Oh, that's a good question. Well, first I'll say this, that not every seminary is created equally or is monolithic, right? Agreed. Seminaries are different. And um, depending on the seminary you go to, they're going to have a major concentration. So I went to Duke, which is a Methodist seminary. Sim- <laughs> cemetery <laughs> i almost died there yes um so i went to duke um and my first semester mm-hmm. i was being taught by someone who did not believe uh that the old testament or the canon the bible was mm-hmm. inerrant and so they started us off saying like yeah the bible has a multiplicity of contradictions here are some scriptures i'm gonna throw them at you what do you think I never thought about it like that. Mm. And um, it pushed me toward the pendulum of disbelief. It literally made me question everything. Uh, and it was really difficult without accountability or community. I didn't have friends that were Pentecostal or I did have some at seminary, but I couldn't go back home and say, hey, 
did you read in Proverbs two scriptures right behind each other? One that says uh, to to not treat a fool according to his folly. And the very next scripture says to treat a fool according to his folly. Have you ever mm-hmm. paid attention? But, you know, DJ, as a kid, I always read with a literary imagination. Like I yeah. remember going to uh, the witness team and telling my, my grandmother, like, yo, the Bible says that God's not a man that he should lie and the son of man that he should repent. And then this scripture where Noah is told in the flood, it opens up by saying, and he repented that he made man. So I went to my grandmother like, well, which one is it? Did he repent or does he not repent? And I was a kid. I was asking those questions. And my grandma was like, boy, just believe. (laughs) She was like, I don't know. Exactly. Even to that point, it's like, yeah, we can make God relent, you know, but they also uh, or he or he relented um, and gave uh, who was it? Nebuchadnezzar more years on his life. And it's just like, uh, uh, yeah. Or and and like several other times where he relented against like how he felt uh, how he felt about something that we did and it's yep. like yeah God doesn't like once God has his mind made up that's mm-hmm. it and it's like what like <laughs> bro there's so many there's so many scriptures off the top of my head that really contest that conclusion and I didn't have the bandwidth I yeah. didn't even know that Christians existed that questioned the Bible because. What I thought was fellowship was really us going to the same church with a different name. We went to churches that shared our beliefs. So Mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, everybody thinks of God this way. And to answer your question about what it did, like it felt like a cemetery because I was furthest away from God while studying about him. Mm -hmm. Um, That was when I had to say, like, God, if you're real, you got to prove it to me outside of church. Because the other thing about seminary that... Mm -hmm. um, they don't often talk about is that um, it creates this nebulous space of constant criticism. So everything mm-hmm. you listen to, you're now looking at it with a magnifying glass saying, now, is that true? Is that true? And if you do that for three whole years, you can't listen to a sermon without bringing your mind into it. And if I had to put it more simply, I'd say that my grandfather taught me to love the Lord with all of my heart. But seminary taught me to love the Lord with all of my mind. And once I made the transition from like going the opposite direction, taking a year off because I felt like I couldn't do it to really asking God to show me why I was there. That is what helped me to become the bridge for others now. So I Mm -hmm. feel like God allowed me to go to seminary so that y'all don't have to. And if I can take the little bit of intellectuality that he has given me to bridge that gap to help other people understand, then I fulfill purpose. So then, I mean, that leads me to the next thing of you got the 90 day challenge mm-hmm. uh, and you're about to do the 90 day challenge uh, with purpose. Yep. But before we get there, right, um, you do take a bit of intentionality. I, I study, man. I study. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting you go tell the story the way it needs to be told. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> but with the 90 day challenge, uh, the initial point, you did it years prior. Um, and with doing it years prior, you you sort of said that, you know, it was pressing for you to do it again. Right. What was that first? Exp- explain a 90 day challenge. Yep. And then explain uh, what is it that you want people to get from it? Sure. Uh, so in 2014, April, to be exact, I remember being in New York at a Marriott Hotel. At that time, I was preaching a lot. I was preaching maybe 20 to 30 times a month. Like I had 
so many preaching engagements, but I also couldn't reconcile the irreconcilable differences within myself. I was preaching the word, but I was so far from God. Mm -hmm. I had a personal conviction when I woke up that day. I said, Joe, Sean, you're a hypocrite. You need to get closer to God. If the word is true, if Joshua says that if you meditate on his plan, that you will have good success, um, you need to take God at his word. So I woke up one morning and was like, hey, everybody, I need to get closer to God and I need some accountability. So whoever wants to join me, um, this was eight years ago, uh, you know, email this email and we're going to wake up in the word and we're going to go to bed in the word because I needed to create a parenthesis in my life so that every day I was waking up in God's presence and going to bed. And what I didn't expect was like hundreds of people responded. At that time, it wasn't Zoom. We were getting on conference calls. And I literally started this 90-day challenge to help us to get closer to God. That was the first intention. Fast forward a couple of years later, I had never read the entire Bible from beginning to end. And I say this respectfully, it's my own conviction, but I think that the church is the only place where you can get ordained and certified without reading the primary text. I don't know any other field where you can get a degree in an area without reading the text. So think about a doctor, right? If you're a doctor, cardiologist, and you haven't read the required pre-med or med books, like you can't get a degree. Think about a lawyer if you don't pass the bar. And so my conviction was, and I know some people may, may see it differently, but that's cool. I think that a preacher is uh, committing theological malpractice. Mm -hmm. If are communicating a word that we have not read ourselves and how can we contest it? How can we debate? How can we disagree? How can we talk about the Bible not having contradiction if we haven't read it from front to back? So I was guilty and I said, you know what? I need to do this for me. Thousands of people responded mm. that they wanted to do it too. Never thought that that would happen. Yeah. So now, um, having read through the Bible now two times, having journeyed with 90-day challengers for the last eight years, uh, last year I had a stroke and I had to ask myself. Nah, bro, you rushing, you rushing. Mm -mm, I'm giving you the content. You want me to stop? Yeah, you rushing. You rushing. Right, you rushing us through this. So All right, go. you did the 90-day challenge, right? And so with reading through the Bible, yes. you gave a realistic, you also would, day by day, yes. you would summarize what was read. So not only did you just like read it, um, you would then, you know, give a, you know, um, summary of, of, of what was said. So one of, some of those summaries were like in numbers, right? Which is a book that is rarely read. And it's one of those books that can, if you ever need a nighttime read, <laughs> if you ever need a nighttime read, trying to figure out how long curtains are or how long the robes have to be or how how many people did this or how many um how many how many people were in each family or just all of these numbers and just things that were counted and were taken into account I should say you should read the book of numbers it will put you to sleep and it will give a recount <laughs> of everything and i mean everything jeez mm -hmm. louise will give a recount of everything um but 
it made me read the book of numbers, right? Yep. Or um, and you were able to like break down um that that book or another book that you didn't necessarily read. Um, and with reading it, you were able to bring other people into different areas and have them be able to see um that sometimes this story isn't about you because a lot of times preachers preach things and they're like, yeah, like we aren't always like Moses. We're sometimes the children of Israel. Yeah. All right. Um, and also like one thing that, that a lot of people do is they, you know, take things out of context. Mm-hmm. And so with taking things out of context, if you are actually like reading the whole thing, yes, sir, you have to be able to look at things in the way uh, that they're actually there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one of the things that I took from it of being able to do it. I can say, Oh yeah, I've read the whole Bible, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so with the 90 day challenge, you then began to do the 90 day challenge um, in a different way where yeah. you would take a different book of the Bible mm-hmm. um, and you would, you know, kind of break it down based off of the subject. Now you mentioned that you had a stroke, right? Um, what was it? And this, this is a crazy thing that you did, which I'm still upset about, but I'm grateful that you did it. Uh, so you had this stroke. Explain what happened. I had a massage in February, um, that left me in pain for weeks. And I remember waking up the night I had the massage in tears. I don't cry like that, especially with like bodily pain. I knew something wasn't right. Um, And I remember going to the masseuse and saying, hey, can you just work on my neck? And she literally worked on my neck for 90 minutes. Mm. Well, now I know a a blood vessel was contorted or something was created where a blood vessel happened in my um, top right uh, shoulder area. And uh, months later, um, I had a stroke. What happened was uh, the hematologist believes that there was a dissection that happened from my shoulder to my brain. Um, at the time, I was in Washington, D.C., going to visit uh, J.J. Hairston. He was producing uh, a worship concert at his old house. Drove myself there, spent the day there alone, 80% of the day. And literally, once I arrived, 15 minutes after I arrived, I had a full-blown stroke. Yeah. Ended up in the hospital for 19 days, had two major life-altering surgeries, both times they thought I would die. And uh, and I survived it, man. And it changed everything. I, I, mm-hmm. I turned 35 June 17, 2020, and I had my stroke June 22nd, 2020. Yeah. So not to like, I'm grateful to God that you're here. But the thing that I'm pissed about, Steve, okay. is that instead of you yes, recovering, yes, you decide that you want to write three books while you're in the hospital. Yes. You decide. <laughs> and we couldn't get to you because the world has went to shit at this point. Yes. But you decide that, like, you want to take this opportunity and, like, channel mm-hmm. everything that was happening into... Uh, what was it? Ninety day purpose. Ninety day. What? 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 what, what are three? Worship. So worship. Uh, it was mm-hmm. sixty six, and um, and I said I needed to do what was my life's work. I needed to, I needed to write this. I I had a really strong conviction. 
so I'm actually I'm 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 pissed, kinda. <laughs> but I'm grateful that you did it. But one of the things that stuck out, that's how Jesus and Gym Shoes came about. No. Literally. So with you saying that, it was it was how like what is it that I'm leaving? Like what is it? Um, because I haven't written a book, like I have like things that I, you know, especially after JG, but you know, there are things that I that I want in the world, mm-hmm. but I want unparalleled conversations about life skills and Jesus mm-hmm. in the world, right? Um, and I think that being able to know that yes, like as a Christian, you need to make sure that at least once you need to read from beginning to end. Yeah. Like minimum one time. Some people do it once a year, but like minimum once. Um, And I know some people like my older brother, he got stuck on the blood of Jesus for like two years. Mm. It's like stuck there. Just that was it. But I, and I, I know that that thing that that happens to some people that they get they get fascinated about this this one concept of Jesus or this one concept about Christianity and God just like reveals and reveals and reveals to them. Um, there's literally Miles Monroe who like wrote crazy amounts of books. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how Jesus and Jim Shoes came about because of the fact that I wanted to have something um, in the earth that would lad that would uh stand the test of time um with the ideas that I wanted to put forth. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for that. Wow, I I never knew that. Yeah. I never knew that. But you're absolutely right. I mean, um I had this revelation while in the hospital and I know Rick Warren is famous for his book Purpose Driven Life. Mm-hmm. But I see purpose now a little bit differently. I think that uh that your life is just the appetizer. Really, purpose is what you leave after life. Purpose is the deposit you make in the earth that says, I was here. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, DJ, I wasn't creating anything. A lot of what you heard me discuss or put in chapter form was already written. They were already stored in my desktop. And if anybody's listening to this, I want you to know um that you've got to stop waiting for a platform or a phone call to instigate purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I was doing. I'm like, you know what? Whenever the set time, I'll be ready. And I could have died sitting on ready. And yeah. one of the things I said to my friends was like, hey, all this stuff I've recorded, if I have another stroke, please make sure this gets out because I felt this fire inside. Now, on top of me having a stroke, my stepfather died to two months prior. Um, And then my young nephew, I call him my nephew, Nesley, he had a brain tumor that ended up being cancerous and he died six months Mm -hmm. prior. So I'm looking around and seeing all these people dying every other day during the pandemic. We're seeing rest in peace, rest in peace, rest in peace. God gives me a sequel. Nah, I'm gonna kill it because I don't know if I'm gonna be around till I'm 80. I would love to be around, but if I'm not, I'm going to put this out in the world so that my daughter has something to read if I'm not here. So that the mm-hmm. world, can know, hey, this is a little bit about what I'm called to. And the reason I was feeling so convicted was because for seven or eight years, I made everybody else's urgency my emergency. Mm-hmm. I made everybody else's priority my focus. And, and I that's the life skill. That's the life skill that a lot of people need to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 
that not to cut you off, but I think that's the thing that people need to learn. And I literally told my mom the other day, she's like dealing with some family stuff on, you know, her side of the family. And I was like, that better not stress you out. Yeah. I was like, if you die and I have to pay for a funeral, <laughs> I'm going to kill you because I told you not to stress about other people's stuff. Yes. And all you have to do is just you look at it. You pray and you move on because it ain't got nothing to do with you. Mm. So, yeah, I get it. Yes, that's true. And I'm a middle child and I'm an Aaron to Moses. And what I love doing is pushing other people's agenda forward. I support people from the from the from the from the sideline. Bro, I am a ghost writer. Yeah. Your name is on the front. I did a lot of the sweat work to make it happen. And then I get to to say I was a part of your process. But there comes a time in everybody's life where you actually have to stop and say, is life leading me or am I leading it? Mm -hmm. And it no longer became about the income. It became about the outcome and it became about legacy. It became about intentionality. And yeah, I think I went on overdrive, um, but I don't, I don't regret it. You know, I, I don't regret it now because now it's like, I gave birth. So now I feel like any other book after this is just a bonus. Mm-hmm. But that was the work that I knew the Lord wanted me to give the world. Mm. Yeah. And that's the one that you're working on now, like Purpose in 66, right? Yeah, Purpose is, is the newest one. Yeah, the newest one. But I had a, a mentor. His name is Rodney Lofton. He met with me like seven years ago and he was like you know sean what are you working on i was like oh i'm working on relationship book this book that book he said everybody has their thing john maxwell leadership um you know darius daniels kingdom uh pastor hannah prayer he's like what is your thing and i was like my thing is worship he said have you written a book on worship i was like no he's like oh (laughs) you need to do a book on the thing Mm mm-hmm I was like, dang. And that's what really made me feel like, yo, I got to do this. Because like you said, you wanted to foster conversations and you're never going to feel ready enough. Um, You're never going to feel like it's the right time. So why not just start now? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm telling you, bro, people have been blessed with my rough draft. Things that I look back now having written saying, man, I wish I had said it better. But some people have gotten blessed by a rough draft. Yeah, put out there. So at least do something and then trust God for the rest. Literally. Uh, So I so one of the reasons why like Jesus and Jim Shoes actually came out Uh and I want to do an episode about like what to go like go uh, put it all in the context. Mm -hmm. But like I literally survived the shootout like and like we're surviving a shootout. I was like, okay too much too close to death like me and harlem was just literally outside and i was I like okay i need to drop this you didn't tell me this when did this happen like like maybe a week or two weeks before i dropped my first episode and i was sitting on it and i was just like everybody has a podcast and you know mm-hmm. i don't really want to you know i you know i kind of got into that but i knew that i had something special to talk about but literally we was just outside and like, you know, I'm used to being in the hood. I'm, you know, I love it. But 
like actually like where you see in the bullets like fall or like you have to like duck under cars or whatever. Wow. So it was lit- it was crazy. It was crazy, bro. I felt like I was in I felt like I was in Boys in the Hood. It was Whoa. wild. It was wild. But it, it was um it was one of those things where I knew like that that moment was like, okay, I need to put this out. And I, I need to like drop this ASAP because um you never know like what's gonna happen. You never know. You never know what's gonna happen. And it just came out. Um, but it it was it was it was one I'm mad that it had to be like that drastic of a moment for me to put it out. But you know, I survived. Yeah, and I'm grateful that like I was able to, you know, see it. Um, but this is the thing that I would always talk about, like with with Pastor Hannah about um what the vision of JG was or what his vision of JG was is that we needed to have life skills and Jesus be at the forefront. Yes, sir. Of, of everything, right? Because a lot of people go through life and you know they shouting and they doing all of this stuff, but they broke. And it's not necessarily broke because they, you know, I'm not getting into like the prosperity gospel or anything, but it's just that like people don't understand that like you actually got to go to work. Like you can't be at the conventions. Like you got to like you spending all your money like traveling and you got to like go get a job. Right. Like you need health insurance. Like that's what <laughs> I meant. <laughs> that's what I meant by broke. Or you need, <laughs> I'll be extremely shady, Lord Jesus. Oh, so, I mean, you're right, though. You're right, bro. I mean, I agree 110%. I think some denominations take literally the scripture that says, be in the world, not of the world. And for that reason, they don't vote. They don't read the news. They don't yeah. pay their taxes. They don't pay attention to anything outside of revival or Sunday school. And I'm like, bro, there's so much more to life than that. And Jesus didn't go to church as much as you go in. Exactly. So like, I'm, you know, like, seriously, all of his conversations were happening in medias rest, on his way to Jairus' house, by a well, sitting by the mountain, on somebody else's boat. And the only time he was in the temple was when he was turning over tables. So I'm like, yo, if we would Or get- when he was 12 and he was like telling them, he was just like, <laughs> like, y'all ain't got this right. Like, <laughs> why do I understand this? And I'm 12 and 12. you don't. Like- like what's so like why don't why are you so enamored that like I can just know this? You should know this. But bro, my yeah. favorite part, my favorite part of that whole story. Me too. I know what part this is. Go ahead. You know what I'm about to say? Yeah, go ahead. Like it takes his mom and him three days. Three days. I was just listening to Luke this morning. I was literally reading Luke this morning. Bro, three days. And I think that is such a metaphor for our American church because I honestly feel like when people need God. The last place they go looking for him is in the temple. And he's in the temple. And he, he looked at them. He was like, who is my mother and my father? He's like, go about your business. And this is the thing. Like, why wasn't that the first place? Could it be <laughs> that the same stuff we wrestling with in our temples, our churches, our buildings are the same things that are happening there? Legalism, Pharisaic behavior, judgmentalism, and the right, right? So I just feel like the stuff that you're doing here is actually doing effective discipleship. Having the real conversations, being bold enough to say, I don't know, sitting under someone and gaining wisdom, reading a certain book. Those are life skills that I feel like are incorporated in the life Jesus wants us to live. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that is I think that 
you know, it, it, my goal is to let people know about um, that there's more than just, um, that there are other things out there than just um, Sunday church or big church or, you know, this one sort of kind of like legalistic way. I had a really good conversation with one of my friends and he was just like, I believe, but there was no path for me to do anything at church. Mm. He's like, there wasn't a path. Like, he's like, there just wasn't. He was like, I, I, I kind of got introduced to it when we were, when we were a little older. So I was like, you know, 12, 13 when he got introduced. And so he was just like, yeah, this didn't necessarily line up with, where I saw my life going or yeah. the, the vision that I had for my life. Yeah. So I had to kind of like maneuver, so to speak. And I was like, sheesh. It's horrible. Sheesh. But I, I'm grateful that like you do give an alternative um, to, to the everyday person for them to be able to, uh, get different things in different ways. Um there's so many more questions I could ask, but I'm a I'm a I'm a um I'm gonna leave it there. How can people get in touch with you, Sean? Wow. All right. Um you could beep me. You smart beep, you know. <laughs> I remember the sidekicks from T Mobile. Now you can go to www.seansaunders.com. My name is spelled with the U S H A U N Seansaunders.com or on social media. I'm there. So I'm gonna show you something. Hold on, I stole this from you. Okay. So when we was at the house, you gave me this Bible. I'll be read. I leave, literally leave it on my desk because I like look at it some sometimes every day. Wow. Yeah. You read like, the. Hold up. You you read the Bible? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, I, you know, hey. I mean, but you I, know, I read the physical one because it's right there, and I be going like, whenever something come up, I just be like, oh, okay, let me actually like look at that because it's different, like having this mm-hmm. than like looking at my phone. Like yeah. I listen to the Bible. I love street lights. Um, I love listening to street lights. Um, but yeah, I'll um, yeah, I'll most definitely do it. And I just want to tell you publicly, thank you for letting me like rummage your bookshelf. You got and- it. <laughs> And giving me a new King James, a new King James version of the Bible. Uh, and yeah, so make sure you guys reach out to Sean Saunders. Um, uh, Apple Podcast has all of the Apple Podcasts, app, um, Podbean, all of those things have all of like the 90 day Bible challenges that he's done in the past. The worship in 66, the purpose in 66 and all of those things. Um, and you can also find it at his website. Sean, what was it SeanSaunders.com? That's me. Yeah, and I didn't even get into like ghostwriting, but that's that's crazy. I think I might. Yeah, that's that's crazy how you even got into that. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate this time that you spent um, telling your story. Um, and you can most that make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to Jesus and Jim Shoes. You can find us on Instagram at this is Jesus and Jim at this is underscore Jesus and Jim Shoes on YouTube at Jesus and Jim Shoes. Uh thanks again. Shout out to me in the background. <laughs> I love you guys. Peace. Peace man.